Here we go with another episode of Marketing, Management, and Money. I am your host, Ryan Murray. And I'm your host, Ryan Owens. So today we've got an interesting topic that uh, I would like to cover. It's not interesting. Oh, it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the first part of it is a little rough. Bear with us. We'll get through it. To the f- There's a fun part at the end. Stick with me here. Oh, 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 okay. Let Ryan have his quote unquote fun and we'll just be patient. Look, we're going to talk about Nick's codes. What's not fun about Nick's codes? Who's Nick? And what codes are we talking about? Yeah, ha, ha, ha. NAICS code. So for the benefit of our listeners, NAICS, N-A-I-C-S, or North American Industry Classification System. What's not fun about that? I mean, (laughs) geez, I bet you got a geology degree too, huh? No, no. (laughs) Just kidding. Geology's cool. Yeah. NAICS codes are not. Sorry, geology. Well, okay. So let's at least define what these NAICS codes are and and when they're used. Because so for our listeners out there, and I know this can be a little bit of a dry topic, but it's important that our listeners understand because NAICS codes are used quite a bit. Yeah, it is a little bit tedious, but it really on as as for as much guff as I give it, it really can be pretty useful in starting off in there's a lot of times where it's like, man, market research, a lot of people shy away from that, right? Yeah. It's like a comedian tells a joke that's maybe a little too edgy or a little too far and the audience pulls back like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I can go there. <laughs> Same thing with market research. People hear market research and it's like, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I don't, I know how to do it. I don't know. You yeah. know? Yeah. And so NAICS codes, as dry as they are, they could be a great way to dive into well, market research. And they're kind of a standard, you yeah. know, any, anyone who hires a, uh, you know, a market research firm, or if they contract with someone to provide market research for them, uh, it's almost guaranteed that that firm is going to be using a NAICS code at mm-hmm. some level to try and get the information. So l- let's, let's clarify what the right. NAICS code is. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a classification system. It's typically done on six digits, but it can be fewer or more depending on the level of detail that's going to be uh, covered with this NAICS code. And so every you know every business is going to have a six-digit code assigned to it depending on what type of business it is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if I'm a small aircraft manufacturer, I'm going to have a NAICS code. If I am a... Uh, you know, if 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 I do guided hunts, I'm going to have a NAICS code. Mm-hmm. If I do housekeeping, I'm going to have a NAICS code. You know, and so um, these codes help to kind of group or classify similar businesses. Exactly. And, and it allows for a comparison across the board of what these similar businesses are doing. Now, I want to talk for just a second about the franchise model. And throughout the podcast uh, and and a lot of times in my presentations and different things, I'll talk about the idea of a franchise model. And that is that the reason why franchises do so well is because they have a lot of data points that they can go off of. If I have a franchise in Boulder, Colorado, and then I have another franchise in Memphis, Tennessee, Mm -hmm. I can now compare the data of those two locations to help me make better decisions. Small businesses don't 
always have this same level of information. In fact, rarely do they have this level of information. And so this NAICS code is kind of doing the same thing. It's saying, hey, we're going to compare some data points of all of these similar, you know, if, if I'm a uh, fish and tackle shop, then I'm going to compare, you know, that Boulder, Colorado to Memphis, Tennessee, and, and see what the similarities and differences are between these businesses. Yeah, it allows them to fake it till they make it kind of a deal. Sure, yeah. It allows them that access to this broad data that they wouldn't otherwise get because they're one location or, or two locations, right? Yeah. Uh, I want to step back a little bit and, and explain two things to, that our listeners might not quite understand. So today we're going to be talking about secondary research and primary research. So secondary research, and of which NAICS codes are one, is research that's done by somebody else for other purposes. Yeah, and, and if I could give a quick example. Oh, yeah. So census.gov, it's, it's a go-to standard. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, if you want demographic information, you go to the Census Bureau. Well, the census does not collect or the Census Bureau does not collect information to help small businesses. They collect information because in our Constitution, it says that every 10 years, you know, we need to get a count of who lives in this country mm -hmm. and what they're doing. Yeah. And, and so the primary purpose is to fill that, you know, uh, constitutional obligation. The secondary purpose is to repurpose this data to help make business decisions. So when we're saying secondary research or secondary market research, we're saying the original intent was for a different purpose. Now we're repurposing it for our own needs. Right. So then that leads to primary research, which is done by generally by you for mm -hmm. your own purposes. You yeah. design the research, you execute it, you pull what it is, whatever it is that you're looking for from that. Yeah. So uh, the NAICS codes being secondary research, they, like you said, they have this six, six digit uh, code and each digit dials it, you know, the first digit is super, super broad. Yeah. And then the, the second digit brings it in just a little bit down a level. And the third digit, fourth digit, fifth and sixth and so on. It brings it down in this funnel and, and narrows it in. I will say, though, however, that even though you have this six digit code that narrows it down in, it's still pretty general data. I mean, you can only go so far with census data, for example. Sure. And, and it's not only census data, but let me give another example of some data that you can pull off of a NAICS code that's very useful. Financial benchmarking. So Yes, I was hoping you'd go there. If, if, if I want to compare my financial statements to another business or another set of businesses, the aggregate, mm -hmm. then I can use my NAICS code and I can compare myself to similar type businesses. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if I've got a cost of goods sold and I'm trying to figure out what sort of gross margin I should have, what percentage of my, uh, you know, sales are going to get eaten up in the cost of goods sold, I really want to compare myself to similar businesses because, you know, cost of goods sold can vary dramatically. And so the NAICS code will help you. Uh, look at some, you know, some some industry standards or some comparables, and and help you get a better idea. But there's a couple limitations with NAICS codes. 
that, that I'd like to cover real quick before we jump into some of the primary research that I think we really need to talk about in this episode. The good stuff. The good stuff. <laughs> Thanks, code is good stuff. Come on. It is. It is. It's good. So, uh, so <laughs> a, a, couple, uh, a couple things to keep in mind when you're dealing with a NAICS code. So NAICS codes are most accurate in bigger cities and in uh, businesses or industries, I should say, that have a lot of sales, you know, high sales industries. If I'm in a rural part of the country and if I'm doing a small or niche industry, then my NAICS code becomes a lot less accurate. And so... Uh, you know, I, I, I think about uh, there, there's a business that is uh, it's it's in a, a rural part of the country. It's about an hour south of where we are right here. It's a grocery store slash hardware store because they're in such a small town. They combine those two into one. And so it's like, what next code are we going off of? Is this a grocery store or is this a hardware store it, in a big city? I'm going to be either a grocery store or. Or a hardware store. I'm not going to combine exactly. together. But in a small town, I have to combine together because there's just not enough volume of sales that I can, you know, split off and 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 just have that on my own. And so, depending on where my business is located, what where my market is, and what my industry is, the next code may or may not be as relevant. Um, you know, a, a way of, of gathering information. Yeah. So it's definitely something that you need to use your judgment on, mm-hmm. right? You're going to pull information from this. Oh my goodness. That makes me think <laughs> when you said use your judgment, I, I had a business, uh, they were a coffee shop and they opened up, they were doing poorly, just <laughs> poorly. And they came to me and they said, Hey, uh, can I, you know, will you please help us? We, we don't know what's going on. And so I met with them and, you know, they said, we've got a business plan. And I'm like, okay, let me see the business plan. And I went to the market research and in the market research section, they had pulled national trends of coffee drinkers. Ooh. And, you know, I said to them, like, this isn't reflective of you. And they're like, well, we're a coffee shop, you know, shouldn't, I'm like, no, that, yeah. like you're not a national brand. You're not a Starbucks or a Beans and Brews or something like that that would really drive, you mm. know, national trends or that national trends would, you know, affect the business directly. And this is a rural coffee shop. Yeah, sure. yeah, this this, this yeah. was in a rural. So you, you know, can't rural compare town. it to like New York or L.A. or yeah, and which is what this this these next codes encompass right yeah, or these, include rather these big cities they do a lot better and so uh you know i looked at them and i'm just like yeah you this is not at all indicative you would have been better off looking at the you know the actual market doing that primary research because the secondary research actually skewed your data gave you a false sense of confidence that this is a better idea than it really was yeah and so that's where like i said use your judgment you under and like you had mentioned you understand the limitations of this research the secondary research what it can and can't do don't put all your eggs in that basket mm-hmm. uh, like i mentioned at the beginning of the podcast it's it's a great way to start your research it's a it's a great entry point into 
market research, you know, non-threatening way, really easy, gets you started on that road. And then you can shift that into something more meaningful, meaningful, more detailed, and more relevant to you and your small business. So let's dive into that a little bit, the the primary research side of things. Yeah, I know that you're a lot more passionate about the primary research, yeah. and for good reason. Yeah. Primary research, I, I mean, it's primary for a reason. It's mm-hmm. like, it, it's kind of, this is where we should start. Yeah, and this is one of the things that keeps me fired up about marketing. This is one of the pieces that I love about marketing is being able to put together this research and then get in contact with the, the people that you're dealing with on a day-to-day basis and and finding out more, delving into it a little bit more, getting your hands dirty. This is really where marketing gets fun for me. Okay, so let's imagine, you know, I own a business. I don't have a background in marketing. Mm-hmm. Let's and, go with the coffee shop. Okay. That's great. I mean, the, 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 the coffee, that's a pretty classic example. I think that happens more often than not. People make assumptions based on what they see happening in the world or in the nation okay. or so, so, other areas. So what could have or should have this coffee shop okay. done to get a better sense mm-hmm. of their market? Because when you start talking market research, people's eyes are glazing over, you know. Yeah, exactly. They pull back. Like, oh, I can't mm-hmm. do this. So it's not that daunting. And there's some it's really, really not. simple things. So in the case of this coffee shop, give us some hypotheticals of what they could have, should have done. Sure. Okay. So let's break this down into actionable steps first okay. that any business can use. So number one, you have access to secondary research. If you have, if you, if you live in the 21st century, right, uh-huh. you have access to the internet, you have access to a library. Uh, you can go get this secondary research figure out your next codes, find an SBDC to help you with this. There are plenty of resources out there to start this process. Mm-hmm. Once you do that, then take your specific industry, whatever that may be, we're going to use the coffee shop in this example and apply it to your specific uh, area that your, your businesses, your business reaches. Okay. So this coffee shop, for example, they are in a rural area. Mm-hmm. So they get this national information that says, hey, coffee's on the rise. They're killing it. People are drinking more and more coffee. Uh, it's, it's a great market to get into right now. Mm-hmm. And this is where the judgment comes in. Does that necess- does that apply to my area or not? Let's validate it. That's the question. Okay. Let's okay. validate it. And so, for example, this coffee shop, or what would be this coffee shop? Because I'm sure it hadn't started at this point then, right? Yeah, so they, they unfortunately they, are shut down at this point. Oh, boo. <laughs> so they could have easily gone in and, and and primary research putting, you know, I talk about designing this research. Designing research can be as simple as how do I find out more information about this industry in my area? Okay. So putting together this research for this coffee shop, coffee shop could have been as easy as, I'm going to go down to the local gas station and find out how many people in this area are drinking coffee. So and what I'm types literally of doing coffee. a little stakeout. I'm just going to hang yeah. out from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Yeah, get a ticket for loitering. No big deal. <laughs> right? <laughs> Buy a lot of corn nuts <laughs> every 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> what is that going to cost you? 30 yeah. bucks? I don't know. No. But, so, but, but the idea is that I, I can just go to where I think things are happening mm-hmm. and start exactly. observing. Exactly. And so, 
and and you can do that. So with the coffee shop again, if there's another coffee sh- coffee shop, my gosh, I don't know why I'm stuck on a copy <laughs> shop. Let's go make some copies. I mean, the same principles apply. So whatever yeah. you want to talk about, ballistic to coffee, coffee. Yeah. So you could go down to your what what will eventually be your competitor if you open a co- coffee shop, coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, go in and check them out. You get multiple points of data on people that could be your customers as well as this competitor of yours. Mm-hmm. How many people are coming in? What kinds of coffee are they buying? And what quantities are they buying it? Are they ordering specialty drinks? Are they, uh, what kinds of, uh, ex- I almost said accessories. <laughs> <laughs> how do you, how do they accessorize their coffee? Right. You know, if you go into a Starbucks, I feel like you are accessorizing. Yeah. It. So yeah. I, yeah. Well, but, but what kinds of, you know, what kinds of inventory are you going to have to carry? It starts to answer some of those questions and bring up other questions, as well as like we talked about earlier, does it validate that secondary research that you already did or not? So, and so I, I, I want to talk about the validation, but first I'm going to have you cover another point on the primary. So you've been talking about observational mm-hmm. research. Yeah. What about, uh, the relationship or, you know, existing customers. So let, let's spin oh, off yeah. of the coffee shop for Good. a second. And, you know, uh, we'll, we'll use a copy center. A copy center. And, and, yeah, that's better. Copy and, center. And I, and, and I want to ask this. So I've been in business for a while mm-hmm. and, you know, how, how do I, cause I, at this point, you know, I've already gone down to the competition. I've, I've scoped them out. Mm-hmm. I've sort of done the observational thing. Am I done? Did I just, you know, okay, yeah. no more market research for me? Or what What do I need to do now? Yeah, you're good. Just, move just go sell a bunch of product. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's it. it. It's that easy. So thanks for tuning in. <laughs> <Just> Jeez. <laughs> so, I mean, market research can be done forever and, and always. That's why the big companies still do it, right? Right. So next or other steps, I'm not going to say next steps because it doesn't necessarily matter. What it's not a linear these. path. Exactly. Other steps that you can take as an established business would be identifying your top customers and reaching mm-hmm. out to them, getting to know them. You know, again, designing, I'm going to say designing these, uh, designing this market research, putting together this market research doesn't have to be complicated. It can be easy, as easy as this is my gut check on who my top three or my top five customers are. I'm going to give them a call and just talk to them and take notes. Yeah. That's market research. Congratulations. You did it. Don't shy away. Every time I say market research, don't pull back. That that is market research. But there's another step that I really think just kind of hits the home run mm, here. I know exactly where you're going. And and that is the follow-up. Yeah, you got to do something with you it. You got to do something with it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times I see these businesses, they'll go and they'll have these conversations and they'll be like, oh yeah, I know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And then two weeks later, it's, it's like, what do they say? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that they they were making some comment about how they didn't like, well, what product was it that they didn't like? And I was like, no, 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 no. If you're going to take the time to call them, get the information, keep it organized. I don't care if it's a stupid notebook. It doesn't have to be fancy, but just keep it organized and then do a follow-up meeting. Sit down with your team, sit down with your partners, sit down with the management team, whoever your business is made up of, sit down with them and discuss and say, okay, Here's the information that we're getting. This is what people are saying. Do we feel confident in what they're saying? Do we need to validate it further or can we make decisions? Should we bring in some new inventory because people keep asking for this product line? 
Yeah, so flesh it out. The follow-up. Ask up. the questions. And I think it is so, I can't, I'm like begging and pleading with people to take this step right now. I wish, I wish all our <laughs> listeners could see me right now. It's so, so important. I can't tell you how many times I have seen it both myself with consulting I've given and having other consultants come into businesses that I've worked with. It happens all the time. If you can't, if, if you don't have the time or the resources or the know-how to do market research and you bring somebody in and they give you advice, do something with it. I don't care if you don't follow it, but so often small businesses will get information and then it just kind of dissipates into the ether and, and it's, you know, two or years down the road. file somewhere. Yeah. Two years down the road, they're like, oh, yeah, well, let's do some market research. Wait, didn't we do that one time? Yeah. What did we do with it? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. yeah it happens so oh. much. It's insane. Yeah. I don't care if you have this consultant come in, you pay him $10,000 and he gives you a file and you look at it and be like, no, this is garbage. This definitely doesn't apply do something with it, discuss it and ask the other questions. Yeah, how does could this apply? Yeah. If this doesn't apply, what does? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. do something with it. And, and, and with that, do something with mentality, I think it's very important. We've talked about the primary research. We've talked about the secondary research. If you really want to do this correctly, merge the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so exactly. If, if if I've taken the time to do some primary research, or you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say it the other way around. If I've taken the time to do some secondary research, then I can validate it with my primary research, or vice versa. It doesn't even matter which which direction you want to go, but you can validate one off of the other. And if they're pointing in different directions. That's an indication that you need to dig a little deeper on your market research. And you you, you touched on this, but I, I want to reemphasize this point. When I'm dealing with uh, secondary research, there's a lot of paid features. You know, I mean, I can I can hire a firm. I you know, I can pay for these services. But I don't think that most small businesses are re- realize how many free services are out there. Uh, the small business development centers are an amazing resource that they have access to some great market research. I mean, like subscription-based databases mm-hmm. that uh, you know a, a small business would end up paying tens of thousands mm-hmm. of dollars for. A lot of times they can just walk into an SBDC and get that information. Pulled. And, it, and it's great information. This yeah. isn't you're getting the knockoff store kind of a product you're getting quality information this is great information public libraries will do subscriptions to uh you know these market research databases and so you could check with your your local library and see what they have or universities will also subscribe to these databases and a lot of times you can connect with the university and, you know, maybe you're not going to school, but you know how easy it is to get an intern at that university and say, okay, I need an intern in market research and I want to use your resources. And the university's like, if you're using our intern, you can use our resources. So there's a lot of ways you can get this data free. And then, again, it's not difficult to do the primary research. And so I could pull some, you know, get my NAICS codes, pull some secondary research, make it happen, and then... I can call, you know, a half a dozen customers and just say, okay, you know, this is what the secondary data says. Do you guys agree? 
you know, not mm-hmm. in that terminology, but well, but it's as simple as that. It's yeah. not this big, daunting, scary behemoth of a market research monster. Yeah, right? this yeah. is something that everybody can take on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, the the NAICS codes weren't <laughs> didn't stave off too many of our listeners. Hopefully, a lot of them pulled through with us. I think there's some great information that everybody can use here. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. See you next week.